Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you're listening to Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And today won't be any, uh, you know, we won't deviate from that. We're going to talk about sex and happiness. I recently met this man, Jarrett Alexander, online, and he started to talk to me online about marrying two things that I love, martial arts with Tantra. So I said to him, rather than just have a plain old conversation, come on my show and let's talk about this. <laughs> let's, let's introduce everybody to the notion of combining martial arts with Tantra. So it is my pleasure to introduce Jared Alexander. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He has a stage name, uh, Jag Lion 4X, and is the creator and master teacher of Jesus Kung Fu and Ninja Rambo Tantric Reiki. And the mission of this is to spread forgiveness and unconditional love. So nothing could be better than that mission as far as <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sex and Happiness. Thank you so much. Two incredible subjects that more people should pay more attention to. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I, I, so I wrote a best-selling book called Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy. And after mm -hmm. I wrote it, the person who owns the station that sponsors this, um, this podcast uh, said to me, do you know, those are the two most searched words on the internet. Really? Yes. Wow. And, that's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know that. I just. And my guess is that most. My guess is that most people that are searching for those words on the internet are not finding what they're looking for. Yeah, probably not. They're probably, yeah. well, if they're searching sex, they're probably finding porn. Exactly. And um, although- No happiness I, there. <laughs> I plan to do something about that. Myself and a bunch of friends have started something called Gasm, which will be a new TV and, uh, and porn series that has nothing to do with pornography as we've known it in the past. That will have much sure. more to do with education and reframing porn so that it yeah. uh, changes it. But that's, that'll be another show. Okay. Right now, <laughs> right now we're reframing um, martial arts and, yeah. and Tantra. So let me ask you first, um, one of the things I want people to know is that you're outside of DC. So that's yeah. a good place to be uh, for holding point for integrity because um, there's not that much integrity in the yeah, city. Yeah, there's a need for that here. <laughs> <laughs> I used Absolutely. to hold point for, for integrity in D.C., and now I'm passing that along to you. It's your job. <laughs> yeah, I welcome that. I welcome that. Yeah. So let's start with how did you get to be who you are? In other words, sure. I don't know if you, when you were a little kid, said, I'm going to be a martial artist, and then I'm going to study sacred <laughs> sexuality. Like, what were you on track for becoming yeah. when you were a kid? You know, it's interesting. I have a very distinct memory. I preached 
my first sermon in the church at six years old. Wow. And so this is Church of the Redeemer in Cleveland, Ohio with Reverend Sally. And my best friend, Chris, introduced me. And I got up there and I preached my first sermon. And then afterwards, there was a bit of a receiving line and different people were coming up to congratulate me and tell me that I did a good job. And I remember this one woman said, so are you going to be a preacher when you grow up? And I said, oh, no, I'm going to be a cartoonist. And I said it with such conviction. And we actually have it on videotape on one of those old video VHS cassette tapes where I said, oh, no, I'm going to be a cartoonist. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was so pure that even though I had just done this great thing that I may have happened to be good at in terms of public speaking, my passion was really about my creativity and my artistry. And that was so crystal clear to me that that's what I wanted to do. But here's where Tantra kind of comes into the mix because I believe that all of us have innately the through line to our greatest bliss. And we know it when we're children, when we're prepubescent, we have a purity about our play. Our activities are fun. We know what we love to do. If we don't have chores, if we don't have homework, we have a go-to activity. That's our play. And whatever that play is, we do it for the sake of doing it. Yes. After puberty, it gets all messed up with expectations and politics and, oh, it's like I'm doing it for the purpose of this and that and this idea of losing your virginity. It's like how in the world does it make sense to lose the thing that is most precious to you? Why are we even using the terminology of loss when it should be gaining freedom? It should be gaining the understanding of our adulthood. And so I went from preaching in the in the pulpit as a kid to really getting confused and having mixed messages about my spirituality and my sexuality. And that's what really that's where my tantric journey began. Wow. Beautiful. I love that whole, you know, I, I told you off camera before that I used to be an elementary school teacher. And um, one of the books I read a long time ago was about how children play for, for no reward except to play. Like there's no, I mean, there are games that you win, but there are other things, you know, like turning yourself around on a swing all the way, <laughs> you know, like winding yourself up. And then like letting the swing go. And that's like altered state of consciousness. That's like an acid trip without any drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love what you're saying. You know, you were doing something for the sake of doing it. And then all of a sudden everything got all mixed up. And Yeah, know. my priorities shifted. And one of the things that was a tragedy of my high school guidance counseling department was that I got talked out of being an artist because it wasn't practical, because it was a million to one shot, so to speak, to actually make it. And Basquiat and Warhol were two of my favorite artists. And I'm saying, well, why can't I be like that? You know, they they commanded millions and millions of dollars for their paintings. And even, and Basquiat was making a great living as a painter while he was alive. So it wasn't true that, you have to wait until you die to be able to reap the rewards. Right. But some kind of way I got talked down to 
doing a practical degree. And I went to Eleanor Roosevelt High School. There's also Duke Ellington High School in DC where Dave Chappelle went. Yeah, and so I think in hindsight, I would have been much happier at Duke Ellington, but I was at a science and math high school because that was the school that my aptitude pointed to in terms of being the best fit for me academically. But I wasn't doing the things that I loved to do except for one period of day when I had art class. Mm. So our priorities a lot of times in high school and as teenagers, when we're learning about sexuality and adulthood, there's a lot of mixed messages in terms of motivation and why you do the things that you do. And that purity of childhood is lost. Yeah. And so you, and you talked about that as losing um, rather than gaining. That's like interesting. So then how did you, all right. So then fast forward, you, you yeah. told me earlier, you went to American university in DC. Like we were, we, we were neighbors, but just at a different, in a different day. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were, when you were in, um, when you were at AU, I was still your neighbor. I actually, that's when at I, GW. no, no, oh. I, I was finished with GW long before, but oh, I lived okay. on the road. I actually was teaching Tantra probably 10 blocks from where you were attending university. Oh, Only you didn't, wow. we didn't know each other then. I didn't even know. I would have been yeah. much further along had I known <laughs> <found> you <laughs> in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love to get college students. I love to get to college students or people just out of college. Um, my youngest, my youngest student has been 16. Um, two oh, really? times. Oh, great. Yeah, I had a father-daughter who came to two workshops that I did. And he, you know, he gave her consent and permission to be in my course. Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah, I've worked with some young people. It's been, it's always a pleasure because they get to reframe exactly what you talked about. They don't, they can gain rather than lose. Right. That reframe yeah. is very key. Yeah. And I love that you've been doing that work with, with people as young as 16, because I think that's when Tantra is really needed when it's most beneficial. I think a lot of adults find their way to Tantra because they're trying to recreate the, their puberty. They're trying to, correct their past when it comes to sexuality and heal the wounds and find their pleasure again. And yeah, that innocence being lost is significant because when the innocence was playful, infinite possibilities were available. But when that innocence was lost and it became a zero sum game, it's like in order for me to win, somebody's got to lose or it's the competition, it's a performance, it's all these things that tie me up in knots and I can't really be myself and I'm trying to be somebody else and get rid of this thing called virginity that nobody wants. As opposed to having access to tools and communication to say my body's a temple. And because my body is a temple, I'm going to preserve it. I'm going to do holy things with it. I mean, that's, to me, the reward of Tantra is reconciling sexuality and spirituality. Yes, beautiful. And so well said. So you still have the gift. (laughs) (laughs) Still preaching, still preaching since six years old. Still preaching, but it's it's a different different pulpit, which uh, I resonate much more with, you know. 
what um so tell us about your creations so you i mean you 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 got like when did you take up martial arts and then how did you how did you marry these two um seemingly opposed right. forces but they're they're not opposed at all you know strengthening yeah. your body and mind is is so important right well, I would say that it started out in high school because I took some karate classes. My godfather, Albert Alexander, who we all called Champ, was a bodybuilder and a martial artist and also an entrepreneur. And all of those things, although he and I weren't physically close because he lived in a different state and we didn't get to see each other all that much, those were things that really inspired me because I'm saying, here's my godfather and these are the things that he's an expert at. And these are the things that I want to become an expert at. So I kind of modeled myself after him in a lot of ways. And my parents and all my family members say, oh, you remind me so much of Champ. So it was from those experiences of having a role model to have a, have a strong black role model, not only in my household with my dad, who's amazing, but also I had strong uncles on both sides of my family to mm. model masculinity, healthy, positive masculinity for me, well-balanced mas masculinity, because all of my family on both sides are very affectionate. I would say my mom more so than my dad, but my dad always hugged me, always picked me up, put me on his shoulders. Some of my favorite photos are, are with him holding me and I have my hands on his cheeks because he used to have a beard. I mean, he still has a beard, but it used to be black and now it's white. <laughs> yeah. But those days when he could just pick me up and hold me in his arms like that. And so I had healthy intimacy mm -hmm. in, in my life. Yeah. And, and I think that was very critical to my growth and development. I got used to contact, physical contact with both men and women in a non-sexual context that felt good to me. I got hugs, I got pats on the back, I got arms around the shoulder from my uncles, from my aunts, from my parents. And I learned that energy is everything. And so in having that healthy kind of interaction with my family members, I was able to feel the energy coming off of them and whether they met me the best or if they met me ill will and so being able to have so much love from my family that really gave me a heightened sense of awareness when it came time to enter the dating arena and even though someone might have been professing to be attractive to me and may have wanted to you know move things along in a physical manner i'm sensing that the energy is not in alignment that the chemistry is not right mm. and so that gave me a very heightened sense of who I should be spending my time with and how I should be spending my energy. Lovely. You know, very few people can say that. I mean, I could say, I could maybe count on one hand how many people could say they got a special kind of love and filled up and be an and energy from their family. Most people don't say that. So that's like a very, that's a big gift. It was, it was. And, you know, we had uh, in our extended family, in our church family, just before I got on the call, I happened to hear about a, a very dear friend of ours who 
just passed away, was in hospice and just transitioned. And we we're just having a conversation, my, my parents and I, about the fragility of life, you know. And here, these are the two people who gave birth to me, whose love created me literally. Mm-hmm. And now that they're up in years and I'm getting older, I can look upon them with such a deeper level of understanding because this was a sexual relationship. This was a, a healthy loving affectionate caring relationship and Mm -hmm. it modeled for me because my parents have been married 53 years so it modeled for me yeah no it's incredible it's incredible what what a high standard to live up to you know I mean they've given me the 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 blueprint and so um I see that how how important communication is so I learned I learned about affection I learned about communication I learned about energy I learned about these things from my parents and from my extended family members. And I just entered and I'm an only child. So I was keenly observant and just entering into the landscape of dating as a teenager. I had so much life experience from just observing these relationships and seeing what worked and what didn't. And we're like any other family. We've got you know, divorce in our family. So I saw, uh, I mean, in, in, as far as the extended family goes, yeah. so I saw marriages that worked and I saw marriages that didn't work. I saw courtships that worked, sexual relationships that worked. Maybe, you know, children were the result of some relationships that didn't, that didn't last, you know, so now we've got cousins that, you know, the parents aren't together anymore. So seeing how the parenting model looks when they're uh, a divorced couple or the couple was never married. And, and so I think there was just a rich tapestry for me to draw from, but I had the presence of mind from my spiritual upbringing that if I preserved my body as a temple, then I would always be making smart decisions with it. That's so awesome. Really is. I always say if I had had Tantra when I was in my twenties, like if I had had Tantra when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, my life would have gone on a different trajectory. I didn't discover Tantra until I was 46. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you. I, I mean, my listeners know my age. I, I just, last week, I just turned 73. Oh my goodness. God yeah. bless you. That's beautiful. You. But Tantra is like, this is what keeps me who I am. It yeah. keeps everything running and all the energy moving in my body, oh. et cetera. So it's like, that. You know, I'm not into old age. <laughs> I don't believe in that. <laughs> so, I do not blame you. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. So, you know, if if I had known a lot more when I was growing up, I would have treated myself really differently, you know, and that, and that's, um, yeah, that's so important what you're talking about. So let's talk. That's actually a good segue. Go go ahead. Yeah, good. That's fine. I was going to say, so let's move to how you, we know when you picked up martial arts, but when did you find out about sacred sexuality? Like how did it, how did the two connect for you? And then you you developed something called Jesus Kung Fu. And I'm reading this. And Ninja, yeah. Rambo, Tantric, Reiki. Like how those that's some that's you know, that's cool. like that's like a Sunday <laughs> with lots of different things on exactly. top of it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly how I eat my Sundays. So yeah, good <laughs> observation there. <laughs> yes. So I was practicing 
sacred sexuality and Tantra before I knew that there were terms for these things. That's so good. I, yeah. I always knew there was something more too, but I exactly yeah. right. I didn't know what it was, but I, I swear listening to my friends talk about their sexual experiences, it scared me to death. I mm. was like, there's no way that that sounds healthy, productive, even remotely like a good idea. I mean, we had, there was a girl who got pregnant in my middle school in the seventh grade. Oh my God. Great. And I'm saying to be sexually active, be having unprotected sex and then to end up pregnant. I mean, I didn't want any part of it whatsoever. I was like, no, I'm not walking through a minefield. Why would I do that? That's not smart. Good for you. (laughs) Coming from the Christian upbringing, it was natural for me to have a healthy fear around sex and having sex too soon. I wasn't necessarily on board with I was going to wait until I got married. But at the same time, I felt like there was a need to preserve the sanctity of that union and that Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be something that was going to be special and not a decision to be made haphazardly. And I just maintained that level of integrity when it came to my sexual choices throughout my young adulthood. And then by the time I became worldly enough to have been introduced to the Tao of sexuality, which Mm. was the first Tantra book that I read. And then also reading Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, because it was actually in a sales context that I first discovered Tantra because it was in that book. There's the art of exactly the mystery of sex (laughs) transmutation. And I thought, oh my God, this is the most fascinating chapter in this entire book. And no one even reads it. Everybody skips over it. Nobody knows that chapter. That's right. And I'm like, this is the only chapter that matters. Read this and throw the rest of the book away. Maybe the mastermind, (laughs) you know, you can do a mastermind and do sexual transmutation and you've got it made. Beautiful. I love that you discovered all that on your own. And the book, the first book you read, The Tao, that was uh, Montauk Chia? I, you know what? I, don't quote me on that. I would have to go back and look it up. I, I did read some Montauk Chia. The, hmm, the, the, the multi-orgasmic man. The multi-orgasmic man and the multi-orgasmic right. woman. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I read those and... Yeah, I really dove in because I didn't even know that it was a subject matter. I had never heard about Kundalini. And I mean, there were things that I had experienced and that I had a sense, I had a sensory awareness of, but I didn't know that there was a body of work actually studying these topics. And so when I discovered that, I just dove deep into it. Beautiful. All right. So now we're going to fast forward to creating Jesus Kung Fu. What is that? How how does right. how does Jesus fit into? <laughs> so, in my belief, the values of forgiveness and unconditional love that we learn from the teachings of Jesus are absolutely necessary for being able to love ourselves fully. If we can love ourselves as God loved the world, as God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Even if you don't believe that's true, 
just from the concept of a storyline, okay, that there is this God that loved the world so much that he's going to give his only begotten son, even though he made everything, he's got this one really, really, really special son. And he's going to sacrifice that one son for everybody else. Like, that's just fascinating as a story, as a concept of how strong that love could possibly be, that love that you're willing to give everything up for. And, And the reason that I say forgiveness and unconditional love and pair those two is because there's a level of love at which someone can do you no wrong. That there's a level of of love at which someone has invested so much goodwill in you that no matter what happens to them, you will still love them without any conditions. And I think about in our family, people that have had dementia or Alzheimer's, it's like when you've loved someone so much throughout their lifetime that even when they lose their presence of mind and they say nasty things and do mean things or whatever, they could never do anything to make you turn your back on them Mm. and that's the power of forgiveness and and when we learn how to forgive most importantly we get to forgive ourselves if we were socialized into sexuality in this country we've got scars we've got trauma there's no way around it if you went through high school in america and had to listen to the locker room stories you've got trauma you've got heartache you've got confusion you've got negative energy trapped in your chakra system. And so Jesus Kung Fu is about perpetual body temple awareness. We are constantly aware that our bodies are temples and we treat them as such every single breath. If we can look in the mirror and see whatever represents divinity staring back at us, whether we call it God, whether we call it Jesus, whether we call it Krishna, whether we call it Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy, regardless, if we can see some divinity, we want to call it Mother Nature and Father Sky. If we can see some divinity staring back at us in the mirror and we can see ourselves as being holy, then we can begin to see others that same way. Beautiful. Well said. Preaching again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get, I get carried away sometimes. <laughs> That's great. I know, but it's like so well said. I mean, I do that. I feel that same way. I feel exactly that way. I feel like I'm God and you're God. That's right. How I Absolutely. And Indeed. So, and it takes one to know one. <laughs> and I learned that from Tantra. I didn't, yeah. you know, I had no, I, I wasn't brought up in religion at all. So we didn't have anything. And so um, I created my own spirituality. I always had my own connection to things. And, wow. um, and then when I found Tantra, I just went, oh, yeah, this is it. Like, oh, I'm God. Oh, this is so good. You know, I'm goddess. <laughs> and so there are people who call me, you know, goddess. There are people who just, that's what they call me. And, um, yeah. and, and I feel like that's, you know, that's, real, that's who I am. So I see you. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) I mean, and that's such a beautiful, for people who know what the true meaning of that is, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it kind of gets watered down just because a lot of people do yoga and they take classes and they just kind of like, oh yeah, it's like a throwaway term, but it's like, no, you really think about the depth of the meaning of namaste, the God in me bows to the God in you. Yeah. It's like, how could anyone start off on the wrong foot with that kind of a greeting, 
right? Even if you're on exactly. different sides of the aisle, even if you have differing opinions about certain issues, but to say the God in me bows to the God in you. Mm-hmm. And to say that to yourself in the morning, when you look in the mirror, it's like Jesus Kung Fu is just really about living a life of divinity. Beautiful. Thank you. So like, actually, do you, so do you have a studio? Do you teach that to people? I train at Gold's Gym, which is ah. considered the, to be the Mecca of bodybuilding. And right. what I say is be the Mecca, live the gospel, become Jag Lion. So Jag Lion 4X is my stage name. Jag Lion refers to a hybrid creature that is able to transcend and include the hero with a thousand faces. So thinking about the major hero archetypes of the king, the warrior, the lover, and the magician, the king is represented by the lion, the warrior is represented by the tiger, the lover by the jaguar, and the magician by the jaguar shadow. And then when you're able to transcend and include each of those archetypes, you become the jag lion for X hybrid. Wow, beautiful. I love that. I want a children's book like that. And anyway, I'm working on it. It is oh, in the works. That's right. <laughs> great. I love yeah. that. I, I want this to God's ears. I want I want children to learn about this. So now let's talk about Ninja Rambo Tantric Reiki. So you became yes. I love that you're taking notes. This is great. I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to write down that children's book idea was just reflected back to me. I had that concept. And you just said it. So I'm going to take that as a a sign from the universe that I've got something there. If children could learn about those four archetypes. Exactly. Without it being, um, well, whatever. I I just early on, if they could learn about those archetypes, if that could be something that children reach for rather than reaching for a transformer, you know, like if they could reach to be those four, something inside them is those four archetypes. That would be so awesome. And the two columns, the king and the warrior, are more dominantly masculine, and the lover and the magician are more dominantly feminine. But the magic of Jag Lion is that it represents all genders and orientations, and that we all have masculine and feminine energy, regardless of which pole we choose to rest at, or whether or not we choose to be defined at all. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. All right. So now let's talk about this Reiki. Um, right. So the yes. <laughs> Ninja Rambo Tantric Reiki. Yes. So again, pairing martial arts and sacred sexuality, they're two seemingly opposite ends of the spectrum, but ultimately they're they're one and the same. And so it's a play on words on one hand because I'm repurposing the N-word. The N-word that most people know as a derogatory racial slur has Mm. been so much pain and suffering for so many people over generations and generations. And so I decided to single-handedly take on the N-word by replacing it with ninja. Beautiful. And so myself being African-American and fashioning myself behind the Sylvester Stallone character John Rambo and calling myself Ninja Rambo obviously I'm a black man and I'm doing martial arts so I allow people to choose 
which N-word they would prefer, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) My choice. You choose. (laughs) You choose, exactly. And see, my preference is ninja because Mm. it's a word that you can't really use the word ninja in a derogatory context, even though traditionally speaking, it refers to an assassin. But it's just that it has a coolness and a mystique to it that if anybody called you a ninja, it's a term of endearment. It's like, oh, you're a sales ninja or you're a ninja in the kitchen, you know, like the Iron Chef kind of concept or American Ninja Warrior. I mean, there's really kind of like in our popular culture, no bad way to be a ninja. So, you know, it's a staple in hip hop. The N word is a staple in hip hop and everybody likes the way it sounds in the songs. So I'm saying, okay, you don't want to lose your entire rap catalog by not being able to say your favorite N-word anymore, but just replace it with Ninja. Just change a couple of letters out mm-hmm. and look at the world of difference that it makes. And then we can all sing together and feel good about what's being said. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's another big reframe and um, needed and necessary reframe. Thank you. Thank you. Superb. All right. So how do people, um, what's the entry point? Like if somebody wanted to work with you, do they have to join Gold's Gym and do they have to be in, in Maryland or do they have to, or how do they, you know, how do they contact you and like find out more? All wonderful questions. So the point of entry, the easiest way to find me and to converse with me directly would be on Instagram. And so on Instagram, my handle is I am spiritual technology. So that's I am spiritual technology. And you'll find mm-hmm. me there listed as Jag Lion 4X. And you can also preview my latest music video by going to www.iamspiritualtechnology.com. You'll be prompted to type in your email address and then you will gain early access to my music video for Uzi Anthem. Wow. Fabulous. That's so, that's, that's great. Well, you sent me a video. That's how I, that's how you found me or I found you. I mean, that's right. We're at a mutual find. And here we are. Yeah. Mirrors reflecting back upon one another. So you're still an artist. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Through and through. And I've never been more creative. No, no, no. (laughs) And now the thing that I love about what I'm doing now is I get to blend all of my different creative gifts into one. So Mm -hmm. I get to sing, I get to dance, I get to preach, I get to rap. And there's really nowhere that I can't go creatively within the mantle of Jag Lion. And one of the things that's really brilliant about our approach to this creative endeavor is that we're crowdsourcing it. We're opening it up to the community to be sending in their own selfies and dance videos and memes playing within our universe. I spent the last three years living in Venice Beach, California, And I consider Venice to be the Vortex. So I'm creating an online catalog called Vortex Land, where people around the world can start to engage with authentic Venice Beach culture. Because the thing that I love about Venice is that it is so unapologetic 
and it is so incredibly authentic. I mean, to the point that it sickens some people. It's the place that's this the only place that's more real than New York City, and I've lived in both places. Wow. So uh, those are the, I lived in uh, LA for four years and the only thing, like I lived in the Valley and I kept thinking, I'm going to leave here. But the only place <laughs> if I stayed that I'd want to live is in Venice. Like, there Venice, you go. You know, like, <laughs> it's so alive. And I used to create, I actually, back in the day, I mean, this is when I worked for corporate America, but I used to make um, animal print sun visors and um and gold and silver lame sun visors and i used oh, to wow. take a booth at venice beach and sell <laughs> oh my goodness i've always been in the i've always on the side been uh designing clothes like it's just like oh, my no. my side gig so right now i i um i design and create clothing with a man from india who I met on my first trip to India, who was my guide then. Now he lives in Australia, but he has a big factory in India and we create capes and sarongs that are tantric and animal print and whatever. I always have this side. Do you have a, do you create, is is it unisex or do you create for men? It's all unisex. Anybody can wear, all tantra people wear sarongs. So I we make sarongs in a really beautiful cloth. And then, um, and one of the people that I work with uh, is a, is an artist and some of the designs are his. And then I work with a very famous tantric artist, Paul Hassenstam. He's probably the most famous tantric artist. He does oil paintings of, um, of, you know, the yab yum situation. And then he puts little rhinestones around it, or he puts little pieces of coral or whatever. He's been around for a while. So he, he has licensed us to use some of his designs and we put those on sarongs and then we make caves. The caves are unisex also. They're very light wool. I'm going to have to check some of those out. you, You have to be able to send me the link. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I'll send you some things, but so, I mean, it, it's, there's no mistake that we met. Oh, no, not at all. You know, this is just like the beginning. Our, I know, our lives <laughs> so many. Also, I've made some films. So oh, I'm real okay. interested to see what you're doing. And I'd be very interested to, um, mm-hmm. to see your children's book because one of the people that did a film for me used to work at Disney. He was an executive at oh, Disney. Oh, really? Yeah, so I saw it when you started to talk about the four archetypes, I started to see this cartoon like Lion King, only different. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a lot of creative news here. A lot of yeah. creative news here. So let me tell people again, if okay. you want to find out more about Jarrett, you need and and his um wait jag lion 4x then you need to go on instagram to i am spiritualtechnology.com or you need to go to the to the website of that that's www and that's where they find the video right yeah instagram is i am spiritual technology and then the website is I am spiritualtechnology.com to register yeah. for the music video. Beautiful. Really got beautiful. it. Any tip that you have? Like I just, I got to get you to preach again for a minute. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. My you have a tip to leave people with. Tip. 
is to simply be present. Oh. It all begins with the breath. Each of us is always at a point of decision to take a conscious breath, to make a conscious decision to fill our lungs with air and to be nourished by that, to feel comforted simply in our existence. And no matter what's going on, whatever circumstances happening, swirling around us, we can be the I of the storm. We can be that calm. And that's the essence of Jesus Kung Fu. That's beautiful. Jarrett, thank you so much for being my guest today. It Absolutely. Was a it's my pleasure. I know. I'm sorry that we didn't meet, you know, when I was in D.C. I haven't been, <laughs> I left D.C. in 2005. Okay, so, but I was there for 25 years, so um, it's wow. just like it's amazing that we didn't, you know, probably we did do this, but we a just little, right, right, no, so well, now we know, now yeah. we know, yeah. So, Jared Alexander, thank you so much for being my guest today on Sex and Happiness. Namaste to you, namaste. So, this is Laurie Handler signing off for Sex and Happiness and waving to Jared Alexander. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.